So, uh, good evening. Dad asked me to give a quick update on the youth group stuff, since I'm the youth pastor or the youth leader. And, um, like, being the youth leader doesn't mean you do everything, obviously. Uh, like, I actually um, have a ton of help, and I don't do the majority of things. I have Brendan helping me. Um, Dad preaches occasionally. Um, uh, my wife, obviously, is a huge, tremendous help. And... Um, uh, Nicole and others. It's just we have a whole team over there that serves in youth group, and um, uh, it's just it's just a huge blessing to have a good good uh, team over there that that works in youth group and helps us all out. Um, so, uh, speaking of that, it's a really really nice to have a room that over there, a new refurbished room um, that my wife and I can serve in. Um, it's a tremendous blessing. Uh, that we can at least do that together. And uh, so not only that, but the room is like bulletproof. The walls are boards all the way up to like your shoulder. And actually, it's a perfect height that if you body check somebody, you get them to hit that ledge and adds a little extra pain to them. So that's, that's fun too. So, um, so there's, yeah, just thank you so much for the investment over there at that nice room. And just the, uh, like the uh, vision of the youth group is... Um, to see, number one, is that all the teens who hear gospel and that they know, at least have a knowledge of how they know for sure that they can't go to heaven when they die. And um, then we want to equip them to, uh, to get a vision to live for the Lord, for the, that God can use them in their life and that they're just not another, um, another person on the earth just living a life and then, then going to die one day. But their, their life has a purpose and a plan. God has a plan for their life. And we only equip them um, with how to live for Christ and, uh, um, and give them the knowledge to do, to do that also. So um, along with that, a youth group is just a place that teens can come and then uh, we want to show them that they're love, loved and accepted. And um, believe it or not, a lot of teens don't get that at home nowadays. Uh, it, it, it's just... Um, it's just you see broken teens all the time nowadays. So we just want to give them a place. Not our love. We, we want to, it's hard to sometimes, it's really hard to love teenagers if you've been around teenagers. Love them yourself. But we want to give them God's love through us. And that's really the love that makes a difference in their life. So, um, so a basic night of youth group, if any of you guys ever want to check it out, it starts at 6.30 on Wednesday nights. And uh, we have probably anywhere from 25, 30 kids on average every week. Um, and uh, dad runs the bus, picks up probably around 10 or 15 or so every week. It's a good-sized group that ride the bus, and uh, it's just uh, action-packed, loud time. Um, some of the kids are louder than others for sure, and I go home someday, and I just like say to my wife, man, it's so loud in that room, but I, I love it. It's, uh, I wouldn't change it. Well, maybe I would, but so then uh, we have every week... Um, if just in case any of you guys are interested, uh, Nicole runs the snack ministry over there, and if you ever want to provide snack for youth group, we're all about that. So just she'll just talk to her about it. You can uh, bring a snack in; that'd be helpful. But we have a snack time. We have every week we have games. Try to have a good time over there, um, and of course we have uh, some preaching, um, some time in the Bible, God's Word every week. And one thing this year, or we try, we we always try to do is just uh, get the kids in. Um, get teens in God's word on their own. And uh, we, 
we have a personal devotion um, book for them, and uh, like a, we check it weekly, like accountability type thing, and uh, incentives if they do it, they get to go on um, activities, um, that type of thing too. So just keep youth group in prayers because that's next generation. That's the 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 church 10, 20, 15 years ago. It's the youth group is going to be you guys in here. Um, some of you guys won't even be here 20 years from now. So if you want to invest in the next generation, it's over there in youth group. That's where the, the next generation and take your place is. So just keep that in mind uh, when you want to, um, if you ever think about, like, what are you going to leave behind? Uh, that's the best investment you can make is the, the young people, um, your kids, the kids in the church, and the teens over in youth group. So uh, it's my privilege, uh, my honor, my wife and I's honor, to work with the teens, your teens here in this auditorium, and uh, just uh, any teens you bring out and invite. Um, we as a team, we love working with the teens over there in youth group, so thank you. This time we're gonna have the whole youth group come up and sing a song. So if you're inside that group, you can come up and sing now.
All right, the next song, if you guys would uh, turn over to song number page 49. Page number 49, or song number 49, sorry. Song number 49. We'll do the first, the third, and the fourth on this one. All praise to him who reigns above in majesty supreme, who gave his son for men to die, that he might men redeem. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Redeemer, Savior, friend of man, once ruined by the fall, thou hast divine salvation's plan, for thou hast died for all. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. His name shall raise the Counselor, the mighty Prince of Peace. Of all theirs kingdoms conquer, whose strength shall never cease. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. All right, this time there's going to be a girls' trio.
So I'm going to tell you guys right off that what took me 15 minutes to go over at my house is probably going to take about five minutes tonight. <laughs> so my topic that I'd like to discuss tonight is fighting the good fight of faith. If you'd all turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, we'll be looking at verse 12. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for tonight, Lord. I just thank you for all these people that showed up to support um, us as teens, Lord. And I just pray that uh, you would guide my thoughts, guide my tongue, and just uh, pray that um, what I... Uh, say through you would be understood, and I uh, just thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So First Timothy chapter 6, at verse 12, I'll reread that again. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Then let's go over to Second Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, says, uh, this is Paul talking to Timothy, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Throughout Paul's lifetime, he fought the good, uh, the good fight of faith. Uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10:17 says, "So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We will never know the foundation of our faith. We'll never be able to fight the good fight of faith if we do not listen to and understand God's word. Let's go over to Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians chapter 5, we'll look at verse 7. I'll read verse 6 along with that. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And then verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. 
as Christians, we should all be um, believing even though we have not seen God. Let's turn back to 1 Timothy chapter 6 again. So the main emphasis for tonight will be verse 12. Um, we'll be reading 11 through 16, and I'd like to read um, verses 7 along with the rest of it because it all goes right together. So 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 7 says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, while some coveted after they have erred from the faith, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And then comes verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed the good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Let's go back to verse 11. It says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. So I looked up each of the um, things that we're supposed to follow after, and I put them in my own words. So uh, each verse that I do, I'll be explaining it in my own words. Um, verse 11 starts out in reference to the context of verses 7 through 10, and it just flows right through. And when we come to, but thou, O man of God, in verse 11, it is referring to Timothy or to Christians to whom the young, uh, whom Paul was writing to. It says, follow after righteousness, uh, which we can take as uprightness, strong biblical values, uh, godliness, uh, being a good example of Christ, uh, faith, believing in God, uh, love, Christ-like expression of love, patience, diligence in the things of Christ, and meekness as a humble patience and compliance to Jesus Christ. And then verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Uh, Paul said, I run with patience the race that is set before me. So that means we also need to fight with the same endurance for the cause of faith that is set before us. Let us be known as defenders of the faith. Know what you believe and why. Realize that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have eternal life with him. Our testimony needs to exemplify our Savior. Many people are watching us and wondering what the difference is. Verse 13 
I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate, witnessed a good confession. Paul said to Timothy that he was going to give him the responsibility in the sight of God, who gives all things life, revives, and acknowledges that he is God. That is verse 14, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would keep and preach God's word at accurately until the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 15, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. God in his own time will show who is holy, who is the only great power, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then lastly, verse 16, who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Who only is everlasting, dwelling with God the Father, which no man can come near, whom no man has seen, and the one who is honor and everlasting power. And then ending with amen means so be it. So what I want to leave with you tonight is most of us in here are Christians, believers in Christ, and uh, we need to have faith in him. We need to fight the good fight of faith, uh, lay hold on eternal life. Dear Lord, I just thank you for uh, what we can get from your word, Lord, and I just pray that uh, what I just spoke through you uh, was applicable to those here. I thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah, a small group will come at this time.
Wow. <clears throat> you guys are terrifying. Not going to lie. Which is a good thing because I'm going to speak about fear tonight. So as I overcome my fear, I'll speak about fear. Okay? So who here likes games? Anybody like games? All right. Tonight we're going to start out with a little interacting game where I ask the question, you answer the question, okay? So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about different phobias. They're pretty strange things to be afraid of, but I'll say the name of the phobia, and if you think you know the answer, just scream it out, okay? I want to be able to hear you. All right, so ablutophobia. Any ideas? Abluto. Huh? No, no. It's fear of bathing. I think I know a few people with that one, actually. Fear of bathing. All right, all right, this one's a little bit easier. Arithmophobia. Very close. Fear of numbers. Fear of numbers. All right. Nomophobia. I know plenty of people with this one, I believe. It's fear, with, fear of being without your cellophone. Nomophobia. Plutophobia. Fear of planets? No. Fear of money. I wish I knew some more people with that one. Uh, octophobia. Fear of the number eight. Good guess. Good guess. This one is hard to pronounce. Esistrophobia. I know a few of you should have that phobia. It's a fear of mirrors. Esistrophobia. Yeah, I'm looking at this side. I'm looking at this side. You know who you are. All right, all right. Ergophobia. It's, I have this from time to time. It's a fear of work. Ergophobia. Globophobia. My dog actually, our dog actually has this phobia. Close. The other thing she's afraid of. A fear of balloons. She will go crazy if there's a balloon in the room. Apparently she's got globophobia. All right, phobophobia. Fear of phobias, yes. Yes, strange phobias. Okay, okay. So that was just an illustration of some irrational fears. Okay? So that's more fears in the physical realm. Tonight we're talking about two fears in the spiritual realm. One, well, I mean, kind of physical realm, kind of, I don't know. But uh, one is rational, one is irrational. I'm going to start with the irrational. Okay, so turn in your Bibles to, to Proverbs 29, and we'll read verse 25 and 26. By the way, I have no concept of time up here, so if, who can I trust? Silas? If I'm past my time, just scream out, shut up, okay? So if I start going past whatever time still stand, I don't do this much, so I don't really know. All right, Proverbs 29, 25, and 26. All right. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek the ruler's favor, but every man's judgment cometh from the Lord. Okay, so the first fear is fear of man. Fear of man bringeth a snare, it says. So the first type of man we might fear as Christians is the unsaved world. There are 
three different ways we might fear them. The first of which that I have is witnessing to them. I'm going to turn over to Romans 1.16. You can try to keep up. I expect the ladies to keep up since they're supposed to be swords or champs or something. But the guys, you're on your own. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So as Christians, Paul here says, he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And neither should we. You see, uh, we have Christ in us, and he will be with us. He promised, lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. So as we witness, we should not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Let's also turn to Matthew 5.16. I'm sure most of us could quote this. But I'll turn there just in case. Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Jesus commanded his disciples. It doesn't really seem like a suggestion. It seems like a command to them to uh, let their light shine before men. And we as Christ followers are disciples as well. So we need to be letting our light shine before men. Uh, if you're around saved at the workplace, at family members, we need not to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Number two is what the kids nowadays are calling FOMO, fear of missing out. FOMO. And uh, we'll turn over to 1 John 2, 15 through 17. You know what, first, over to Proverbs 23, 17. So fear of missing out. Proverbs 23, 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in fear of the Lord all the day long. For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. Okay? So verse 17 says there, let not thine heart envy sinners. So maybe your, your heart's desire is to have a successful life here on earth, and you see people in the world that have that, like that's their whole drive in life is to get money, to get stature to be famous, but as a Christian, that should not be our drive, and you know that, so you're kind of, you kind of feel bad that you're missing out on all that, you're kind of envious of that, you have a fear of missing out, but we have to know that all that the, Lord, all that the world has, we should not be envious of it, and 1 John 2:15 through 17 tells us why. First John 2:15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So all that's in the world, all that, the celebrities, the money, the fame, all that's going to pass away. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life is what the Bible calls it here. If you think about it, that's really all it is. It's pride of life. It's stuff to look at, to lust after. And uh, the lust of the flesh ultimately is all it is. And the Bible says to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, 
moth and dust don't corrupt and thieves don't break through or steal. So we don't need to fear missing out on the world's, on the world's stuff, on the world's lust of the flesh. The last fear of the unsaved could be caring too much what people think. Let's think of the Battle of Jericho. Okay, so you see the picture of yourself being inside the wall of Jericho, maybe up on top looking down, and you see the Israelites coming across the Jordan, and you're like, oh boy, here they come. And the next thing you know, they're walking around in circles, walking around and around, and they start blowing trumpets and stuff, and it's like, if people, if the children of Israel cared what they thought, cared what they looked like too much, that would have been, that would not have gone well for them. They would have been, had no chance in that war. Because I guarantee you they looked pretty silly walking around. But then when the walls came down, uh, they probably were glad that they didn't care too much what they looked like, what people thought. Okay, let's turn to 1 Peter 3.15. 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So, there are times when unsaved people will ask you questions about your faith or why you're different. If you're living the way you should be, then there'll be times where they ask those questions. And at that time, I felt it myself. There's a fear. There's a fear of caring what they think. But you, we need to be all ready always to give an answer, a biblical answer, with meekness and fear. Uh, not trying to pick an argument with them, but to have an answer for, for their questions. So we need to be in God's word to have those answers. Don't let the fear of what they think influence you at that time. Uh, I'll turn to Hebrews 13.6. So, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. I'll read verse 5 too. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I shall not fear what men shall do unto me. So if there's a time, like I mentioned, where you're starting to care what people think, what the unsaved think of you too much, just remember, God's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we should not fear what men shall do unto us. Paul said, I will not fear what men shall do unto me, because he knew Christ was with him. All right, so the second people we might fear is the Christians around us, our Christian friends. Why would we fear them? I don't know. We're different. We're strange people. But uh, we might fear our Christian friends. All right. So the first fear, we have two fears of Christian friends. First fear is fearing what people think. All right. Same as the last one for the unsaved, but now it's for the saved. Caring too much what your Christian friends think. All right. So there's a balance to this. You don't need to be like all the time, I don't care what you think. I, I mean, get away from me. Forget it. Your thoughts don't matter to me at all. But you don't need to be like that. But in the, uh, at, a, at the same time, people are sinners. People are always right. And you need to be caring, 
be comparing spiritual with spiritual, the Bible says. Be comparing what you know from the Bible to what people around you are saying. And uh, I've got a little illustration right here. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Shoichi Yokoi? Shoichi Yokoi? Like I said, people are strange. Maybe some of you might have heard of him. I don't know. But nope. Okay, apparently not. So in 1975, which is exactly how many years ago? I have no idea. I have no idea. All right, so exact, in 1975, World War II had ended. And, no, no, I mean, at 27 years after World War II had ended, okay? Shoichi Yokoi, a former Japanese corporal, was discovered in an underground shelter by two local hunters in the jungles of Guam. He survived on rats, frogs, fish, birds, and a wide assortment of insects, among other jungle creatures. He was found in the jungle by two hunters. He was taught that surrender would be the greatest shame as a Japanese soldier. So when he saw his fellow soldiers around him surrendering, he turned and ran into the woods. Uh, when the two soldiers found him, When the two soldiers found them, he, was, he fought back, fearing that he'd be taken prisoner of war. But being in the jungle 27 years on his own, he had been weakened and was easily taken under control. Even after he was returned home to his family, he said he wished that he had died in the jungle as a soldier of Japan, rather than to have been taken captive and returned home alive. Okay, so this is a pretty extreme example of caring too much what people think. He, he didn't want, he was taught as a young child all the way up through as, until he was a man and by the Japanese culture that surrender is the highest form of shame and that he'd be basically a complete and total loser if he had surrendered. So what did he do? He ran and hid in the woods for 27 years because of his irrational fear of what people thought. Uh even after he was taken and brought back to his family, he wished he had died because of that fear, because of what people thought around him. So as Christians, we are soldiers in God's army. And uh, what other soldiers think of you doesn't matter quite so much as what Christ thinks of you. The Bible says that comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. So always compare yourself to Christ rather than to the people around you. All right, so uh, the second fear for Christians is fear of being honest. Turn to James chapter 5, verse 16. Hebrews, James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So God has put Christians in your life uh, to help you. God has put your parents in your life, if you're still living with your parents, or even if you're not. God has put them in your life. God has put other spiritual leaders in your life. God has put dad as the pastor in your life, your teachers, deacons. God has put them in your life. Also, he's just put your spiritual family in your life, your church family. 
he put them there to help edify one another. Uh, the Bible says not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as we see the day approaching. And uh, that we should be edifying one another in love. So God has put each other in your lives, other Christians, our church family, to encourage one another. And that through each other, we may become more like Christ. So being honest to each other may be saying something like, hey, this is something I've been struggling with. Can you pray for me before that? Or maybe it's you have something that you can't handle yourself. You ask them, come help you. you maybe you ask them to help you with a Bible study or something. We're, as a church family, we're not going to function well if we're not working together. We need to have honesty one to another. God put each other in our lives, and we need to utilize that and take advantage and be honest with each other. All right, so that is the irrational fear, the fear of people. Fear of man bringeth a snare. So we're not comparing yourselves to each other, but we're comparing ourselves to Jesus. And the rational, rational fear, number two, <coughs> is the fear of the Lord. Turn to Proverbs 9, chapter 10. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. All right, so the beginning, the first step of knowing how to live life God's way, of learning how to have wisdom, is to fear him. And that's the same, the first step of salvation is to know that there is a God, a holy God, and to fear him because he has the power and he is a righteous judge. All right, so the first point is because he is a righteous judge. Let's turn to Romans 6.23. You know what? I think we all, I could quote it, and you guys can listen. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God is a righteous judge. He sees, he sees our hearts. He reads our, our minds. He knows everything we're going through. He knows our thoughts. And he will judge us accordingly for those. Uh, the Bible says that just one sin if we have broken in one commandment, we've broken in all of them. And the wages of sin is death. It says also that all liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burneth with fire and brimstone. So there's a place called hell that if we have not put our trust in Jesus Christ, we have all sinned. We all know we have sinned. God sees that. He is the righteous judge. And we are headed straight there if we don't get that taken care of. <coughs> so uh, turn to Proverbs 15.3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God sees everything. His eyes are in every place. That includes in our hearts, in our minds. God sees everything we think, everything we do, and he is going to judge us accordingly. That is the first reason why we should fear the Lord. 
The second is because he is our father. <clears throat> so uh, how many of you guys have had a dad at some point? Wow. Only about half of you. Interesting. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Okay, so uh, like our earthly fathers, we should respect God as our heavenly father. Uh, my dad is, I respect him more than anybody else in the world. He's my hero, and he's human. So God, God is, he's infinitely above that. And he, he sees what we think, what we do. I try to hide stuff. I might try to hide stuff from my dad, and he might not find out ever, but God knows all of it. So we should fear him. <coughs> you got some water or something. <coughs> I need water. There we go. Ah. Ah, good, good. Much better. Where was I? Our Father, yes. He is our Heavenly Father. He sees all of it, so we should fear him much more than our earthly fathers even. Maybe you don't have much respect for your earthly father, <coughs> but God is infinitely above that. And turn to Galatians 4, 6. <clears throat> Galatians 4, 6. And because ye are sons of God, he has sent forth the spirit of, spirit of his Son unto you, your hearts crying, Abba, Father. So God is our Father, and we can cry unto him, Abba, Father, which is basically a more affectionate name for Dad. So it would be like Daddy, kind of, almost. But <coughs> it's a cough drop. And uh, God is our Father, therefore we should fear him. That's point number B. Jesus is coming again is the third reason. Uh, turn to 1 John 2, 28. I won't spend much time on this point because just last week, Pastor Reisinger did an amazing, Pastor Joe Reisinger did an amazing job preaching on this. If you didn't hear that, I recommend you turning, flipping on your phone, whatever, to Apple Podcasts, whatever podcasts, probably on YouTube. I don't know. See Silas. He knows where it is. I don't know where you can find it. But listen to that sermon on Jesus coming again. All right. So 1 John 2, 28. <clears throat> and, you, and now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, you may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. All right, so Jesus is coming again, and we need to be walking with him, have fear toward him that when he comes, we won't be ashamed at his coming. <clears throat> Can you imagine what it'd be like living as a Christian, waiting for that day your whole life, and then when he comes, you're doing something you shouldn't be, and you're ashamed? I can't. That's the first time you see Jesus, you're ashamed. You're that's a great fear I've had in my life. That's a great conviction to me. And 
It should be to all of us. So let me mention real quick, the reason why I'm preaching this is because something that's God's been working on my heart and lately. It's not something I've mastered. I don't have, I haven't conquered my fear. Uh, and I don't fear God quite as much as I should. But, so application. The first application is salvation. So, God is a holy God. He sees all of our sins. We covered that. And because of that, he should, he will send us straight to hell. But, he sent his son Jesus. Turn to John 3.16, or we can quote it together. Why don't we all quote it together? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him everlasting life. All right. So God sent his son to die for you. If you were the only one on this earth who was going straight to hell, he still would have sent God, he still would have sent Jesus to die for you, to forgive your sins and make a way. God is the, Jesus is the bridge between God and man. Jesus is the only way that we could have salvation and eternal life and to be saved from hell. The second, the second application is to avoid temptation. Okay, so temptation is like this. It's like a disease with no cure, the most contagious disease in the world, and your immune system can't handle it. Okay, so it's not going to be like if you're exposed to temptation, you're not going to get stronger. You're not going to become more apt to defend yourself against it. You're not going to be immune to temptation. Stay away from it. The Bible says in Proverbs to avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. So if you see temptation, hide yourself. Get away from that, like Joseph. Like Joseph with uh, Potiphar's wife, run away from that. Okay? As God, as a, having a healthy fear for God, we will not want to sin against him. We will not want to have him uh, <clears throat> angry with us if we have the proper fear toward him. All right? So the third one, third application is found in Joshua 24, 14 and 15. And this goes right along with Seth's message. a boy, Seth, by the way. You did a great job. You did a great job. All right. Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether it be the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <clears throat> and the reason why Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, it's found right in the beginning of verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. So if you have a proper fear for the Lord, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the first step to living life God's way. Uh, you should resolve. That'll cause you to resolve to fear the Lord. I pray that each one of us would have a walk with God, that we know him more, that we'd 
grow in our fear towards him. As we learn more about God and see him, we will fear him more and more, as well as love him more and more. Uh, so those are the applications for this. I pray that if anyone's here, if you don't know Christ, uh, talk to me, talk to Dad, talk to any of the men around here, basically. We'll be able to take a Bible and show you uh, how you can know Christ. And stay away from temptation. It's not, you're not going to get stronger by uh, being exposed to it. You're not going to, all it will do is mess up your life. And resolve to serve the Lord. Fight the good fight as Seth preached. All right, I'll close in prayer, and then Titus will come. Dear Lord, 